Now I want you to imagine that this is a sheepfold in the first century. It's a place where the sheep are kept. The sheep in there belong to a few different shepherds, or a few different families. And they've gotten together to build this, 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 this uh, the sheep pen. It's got tall walls, six and a half feet tall, even taller than Raj is sitting in the back there. And they've hired a gatekeeper to make sure that no one comes in to take the sheep away. You see, the shepherds tend to look after their own sheep during the day, they'll take them out to pasture, and at night they bring them back to the sheep pen and leave them there when they go home. And you got that picture. Now I want to paint two contrasting pictures in your mind. You're going to put a split screen in the TV of your imagination. All right? And on the one hand, you've got something, someone coming around the back of the sheep pen. Okay, the sheep pen moving over here a little bit. Eh? All right? And what they're trying to do, they're, they're climbing over the wall. Right? The door is that side, the doorkeeper's over there, they're away from the doorkeeper, and they're climbing over the wall, trying to reach out to the sheep. They're like, come, 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 come here, sheep, come here. And the sheep, of course, are running away. It's looking pretty suspicious, isn't it? Here's the other picture. A man comes to the door of the sheep pen. He says hello to the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper waves, like you wave with a guard when you come to your condo. And then he calls the sheep by name. He says, Akar, Abeng, Curly, Spotty. And they come along. He walks and they all follow him. And he heads out with them into the pastures. Which one is the shepherd and which one is the thief? John chapter 10 verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So the picture that I painted just now is actually a picture that that Jesus painted. Who is he talking to? Well, he's talking to Jews, and we see that from verse 19, because there was a division among the Jews because of his words. Among them are probably the Pharisees who he had been speaking to at the end of chapter 9. And you remember in chapter 9 he has healed this man who has been blind from birth. And that man had believed in him. And the Jews had become angry, expelled the man from the synagogue as a result. And, and when the man found Jesus, he called him Lord and worshipped him. And on the other hand, the Pharisees and the religious leaders continued to reject him. So what's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this picture? What's the point of it? Well, the Jews whom Jesus had been talking to, they, they didn't get it. Verse 6, it said, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And rather than explain straight away, Jesus instead chooses to paint another picture. And this time he gives hints as to the meaning of the picture. 
He uses the same language as last time, but, but the metaphors are going to be a bit different because some of the pictures, some of the items in the second picture are going, to picture are going to be picturing different things. In the first picture, Jesus himself was represented by someone, we'll see later as the shepherd. But in the second picture, he's not the shepherd, but he's the door. So you've got the same kind of items, but they might mean different things. Verse 7, Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what do we notice in the second picture? Three characters in this picture. There's the sheep, there's the thieves and the robbers, and there's the door. And the sheep, God's people, true people of God, the people that God has given Jesus. We'll pick that up from our Old Testament kind of reading. The thieves and the robbers, Jesus said, are those who came before him. They were the false leaders. Jesus may have had in mind the people who pretended to be God's Messiah, but weren't really. There have been a number of those. Or he might have in mind the religious leaders of Israel, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the people he'd just been in dispute with. The robbers come to destroy the sheep, but the sheep don't listen to the robbers. And then there's the door, which we know is Jesus himself. And the door is the gateway for the sheep to safety as they go into the pen. And Jesus says, anyone who enters by me will be saved. The door is also the gateway to pasture as they go through the door to go outside. And he says, those who enter by him will go in and out and find pasture. And by going through him, the sheep will get life abundantly. They will be able to lie down in green pastures and Drink from still waters and be sustained for the life of a sheep under the shepherd. So what do we see from the second picture? Jesus is the way to salvation. He is the door, the one through whom the sheep go in order to be safe. He is the way to feeding. He is the door, the one through the sheep go in order to find pasture. The one we must go through to find the abundant spiritual nourishment that will sustain us in our walk with God. And so we receive eternal life and we are maintained in eternal life through Him. But there are predators. There are people who bypass Jesus. Who want the sheep to come after them and their people are like these false leaders of Israel who who don't care for us the way Jesus cares for us, and if we listen to them, then we would be in great danger. But we mustn't listen to them. And if we are the true sheep, then we won't listen to them. We know they are bad because they are trying to reach the sheep independent of Jesus. And we need to beware. And now here's a third picture. It's another contrast. Bring up that split screen and your TV imagination again. 
And on the one plane we have sheep being attacked. That's there's a wolf who wants to eat mutton curry. And the shepherd of the sheep defends them from the attack. He risks his own life to save the sheep. In fact, he lays down his life in order to protect the sheep. On the other side, we see a hired hand. He's never seen these sheep before. He doesn't know them. He's just paid by the hour to come and stand there and jugger. And when the wolf comes, oh, he's not getting involved. He's not going to risk his life for something he doesn't have a stake in anyway. And there's the picture from Jesus. Verse 11 and 12. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see, he doesn't care. But the shepherd, he loves his sheep to death. He would lay down his life for his sheep. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Incidentally, if you are a leader in the home or in the church or in the workplace, what what kind of leader are you? Are you a leader like Jesus who knows and loves and cares for the people that God has placed under you? Or are you like the hired hand who's got no commitment to the people he's meant to be caring for? Oh, the main point now, we know two things about Jesus. Firstly, we saw in the other picture that he's a source of safety and of nourishment. He's the one we come to to have eternal life, how we continue in eternal life. And secondly, now we see that he loves his sheep so much that he lays down his life for those who belong to him. He is willing to die to save and protect those whom he loves. He's not like the hired hand or the mercenary. He is the good shepherd who loves us, who protects us, who really cares for us. Next, having seen those two things, we have an explanation of picture one, because picture one makes a lot more sense after seeing the other two pictures, doesn't it? Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Now, he's already told us that he is a good shepherd in relation to laying down his life, but he says it again this time because he's explaining that first picture, which they didn't understand and he didn't explain, because he goes on and he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. That was what the first picture was about, wasn't it? Remember, the sheep followed the shepherd that they knew, not the thief. And the man who was healed of his blindness, he was like that, wasn't he? He heard Jesus' voice and believed in him. He was one of Jesus' sheep, and so he followed him. And he wasn't sucked in by the Jewish leaders. Well, here in verse 14, those who belong to Jesus follow him because he knows them, and they know him. But Jesus takes it even further here. Takes it the next step. He says, and this is where all your Trinity stuff that you did the last couple of days, if you were at a seminar, comes into it. 
He says this mutual knowing is parallel to the mutual knowing in the Trinity. The mutual knowing of the Father and the Son. And so we know Jesus and he knows us, verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. The relationship between Jesus and the Father, what is it like? It is ordered. It is loving. It is personal. It is other person-centered. Uh, we saw in our doctrine seminar that the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. There is a difference. There is an order. But the Father loves the Son. And the Son loves the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Father does everything for the Son. The Son is obedient to the Father. The relationship is ordered. It is loving. It is personal. It is other person centered. And Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me in a similar way. We have an ordered, loving, personal, other person centered relationship with Jesus. Jesus is our shepherd. We are the sheep. There's a, there is a difference in order. But he knows us personally. By name. We are not just Christian number 54,964 in KL. Right? We are Michelle and Stephen and Sam and Stephen again. <laughs> and Stephen again. There's another Stephen. There's three Stephen. Anyway. He knows us personally. And we know Him. We don't know Him exhaustively, but we know Him truly. There isn't another side to Him that He hasn't shown us. There's no dark side that He... he no, no, we know Him. And He knows us. He loves us. And we love Him. We live and work for His glory. He works for our good and our ultimate glory with Him. We have an ordered, loving, personal, other person-centered relationship with Jesus. And the nature of that relationship is seen most clearly in the next phrase that Jesus gives us. Verse 15, He says, And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Friends, let me ask you a question. When you go through hard times, how do you know that Jesus loves you? How do you know that Jesus loves you? Jesus showed his love for us by dying for us. Jesus showed his commitment to your good by taking your sins and your punishment on himself, on your behalf, so that you can be forgiven. Jesus shows his leadership over us by laying down his life for us. That's the ultimate leadership, is sacrificial, isn't it? 
Jesus shows us he is other person-centered towards us by sacrificing himself for our salvation. How do you know Jesus loves you and cares for you, that he's your shepherd? Because he died for you, and nothing's going to change that. Don't forget that. That's how you know. He is the good shepherd who cares for his sheep, and he cares enough to lay down his life for us. That's how much he loves us. Now, when Jesus was saying this, he was initially talking to his Jewish people. It does apply to us now, as we'll see in a moment, but initially he was talking to his sheep in Israel. Remember, he is the Messiah, the King of Israel. He is, first of all, the Jewish Messiah. He is the fulfillment of all the promises God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the promises God made to David, the promises God made to Israel through the prophets. And, and well, let's have a look at one of those prophecies. Ezekiel 34, our Old Testament reading. Keep your yellow dingly things in, in uh, John 10. And come with me to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. Now, you remember that passage, Ezekiel 34? It's before the exile. God is uh, very angry with the shepherds of Israel, the leaders of Israel, because they've led his people astray. Uh, they've fatted themselves instead of looking after the flock. And God is going to kill them. He's going to destroy them. He's going to scatter the flock. Uh, but after that, he's going to bring them back from exile, and he's going to rule them, isn't he? Is that right? Uh, you see, these shepherds of Israel, they were more like, they were not real good shepherds, were they not proper shepherds? They were more like the robbers and the thieves that, that Jesus had talked about in his, in his parable. And Jesus, uh, and, and God says in 34 verse 10, he says, I am against the shepherds. I'll require my sheep at their hand, that is, I'll bring them to account for them. And I'll put a stop to their feeding the sheep. And after the exile, what's he going to do? Verse 11. I myself will search out for my sheep and seek them out. Verse 12, As a shepherd seeks his flock when he is among his sheep that are scattered, I will seek for my sheep and will rescue them from all the places they have been scattered. Verse 13, I will gather them from the people and from the countries and bring them into their own land. Verse 14, I will feed them with good pastures on the mountain heights of Israel. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. Verse 22, I will rescue my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. Who is the shepherd here? God, isn't it? Over and over and over again. And then you come to verse 23. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord their God, and my servant David, shall be prince among them. I am the Lord I have spoken. So who is the shepherd of Israel? It's God on the one hand, and it's David, on the other hand, and then it's God, and yet it's someone who is distinguished from God, God's regent, who is David. And this is very confusing until the Messiah comes, who is the son of David, the heir of the throne of David, and the son of God, very God from very God. 
who is both God and distinguished from God. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And this good shepherd is the shepherd of, of Israel, isn't it? In Ezekiel 34. And his sheep is the people of Israel. In fact, he's very explicit in front of you. get verse 30. He says, I, the Lord their God, with them, that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pastures. I am your God, declares the Lord God. But even in the Old Testament, you know, God's promises don't end with Israel. God's promise to Abraham was for blessing to the nations. God's promise about his servant was that he would not only restore Israel, but be a, a light for the nations. And God's king would not be limited to Israel. He was going to bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth. And Come back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And now we're up to verse 16. John chapter 10, verse 16. And Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I will bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. See, God's plan is not just for Israel to be his people, but people from elsewhere as well. And this, friends, this really is us. We have now come to share in all these things that Jesus has been talking about as shepherd of Israel. And Jesus says to the Jews, he has not only come to pick up his sheep from the Israelite pen, those who truly belong to him, those who believe in him, who are Jews, but he also has come for the people who are the Gentiles who believe in him as well. And he's brought the sheep from the original pen to be united with the sheep from the other pen. And he says that we, the Gentiles, would listen to his voice. And we did. When he called us through the gospel, we came because the Father has given us to him. And he knows us and he loves us. And we know him and we love him. And whether we are Jews or Gentiles, we come together under him, united under him, and enjoying all the benefits of the Jewish Christians. Without distinction. And so he says in verse 16, There will be one flock, one shepherd. And that's exactly what we are. One flock, a true Israel consisting of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. All those who have come under the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And he is our shepherd. Now, we have seen that when Jesus laid down his life for his sheep, it was an expression of his love for us. But even more fundamentally, it was an expression of his obedience to the Father. That wasn't my time up, was it? No, okay. John 10 verse 17. It's an expression, it's an expression not just of his love for us, but of his obedience to the Father. Okay, verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life and take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
See, Jesus is going to lay down his life for his sheep. He is going to allow himself to be killed. He's not going to be forced. He, the cross is not going to surprise him. And the resurrection is not going to surprise him either. He's going to die for us voluntarily and rise again. He's got the authority to do that. He's, he's going to do this to fulfill the charge of the Father. And that is why, verse 17 again, the Father loves him. The Father loves me because I lay down my life and take it up again. Now, it's not as if the Father didn't love Jesus before he died and rose again. He's not making the Father love him by doing that, because the Father has always loved Jesus. So how does it make? How does it work? Well, think about this with me. The Father has loved the Son for all eternity. And the Son has always submitted to the Father for all eternity. That is the Father-Son relationship. And the Father loves the Son because He always submits to Him. And the Son submits to the Father because He always loves Him for all eternity. And the cross, the cross is the expression in time and space of that eternal submission of the Son to the Father's will. It is the ultimate expression of the Son's eternal relationship with the Father. And that eternal submission of the Son to the Father, expressed so concretely in these Gospel events, is why the Father loves Him for all eternity. Does that make sense? The love of the Father for the Son. The submission of the Son to the Father. It's, it's an eternal thing. And it's expressed all so clearly and concretely in the cross of Jesus. And so Jesus can say the reason the Father loves him is because he lays down his life that he might take it up again. Well, how do the Jews respond to all this? Now there's a division among them, verse 19, because of the words of Jesus. Many of them said, verse 20, he has a demon and is insane, why listen to him? But others who have seen his work say, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so there's division, isn't it? You see, some people there are his sheep. They will listen and follow like the blind man. Some aren't. They will dismiss him and ridicule, like the Pharisees. And for some, well, it remains to be seen whether they're his sheep or not. But now it's over to us. How do we respond to all this? Will you dismiss Jesus and ridicule his claims? You see, oh, all this stuff about you being with the Father and laying down your life and all this. Or will you hear the voice of the shepherd calling you in the gospel and saying, come, follow me. Take you out to pastures. I'll bring you into eternal life. Will you come to him in faith, trusting him as that door that you enter for salvation? 
Will you come to him in faith, trusting you as the as a leader who takes you and sustains you for eternal life? Because if you do so, then you are his sheep. And whatever you are facing, you are not alone. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. Personally. And his love draws you to love him and obey him as well. He may lead you in difficult places, but he really is working for your good. Even as you live for his glory. And he has expressed his love for you. And his submission to the Father. By laying his life down for you at the cross. And you can get no better shepherd than that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful shepherd in our Lord Jesus. Thank you that just as he has a ordered, loving, personal, other person-centered relationship with you for all eternity, that you have given us to him, that we may have a relationship like that with him, where he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Uh, he loves us and we love him. Uh, he knows us and we know him. Where he cares for us and leads us and works all things for our good. And we live our lives for his glory. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our shepherd. And we thank you that he loves us so much that he even died for us that he bore our sins and our punishment in our place. We thank you that he is the one through whom we have eternal life and through whom we have entrance into the pastures of feeding and where with, through whom we will live with you in your new creation forever. Enjoying the abundance of your blessing towards us. We thank you for Jesus and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to keep on appreciating him more and more and loving him more and more. Help us to see him more and more clearly as we read your word. Help us to be sheep who listen to him and obey him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.